as Paul was showing us so well last week, Jesus has given us this huge commission to go and tell the good news of Jesus everywhere to every people group all over the world for all time. That's a huge command. How do we actually do that? Well, he goes on this key verse for the series. When you receive power of the Holy Spirit, anybody received any power from the Holy Spirit? When he comes on you, then you'll be my witnesses. And this is how you do it. You start where you are in Jerusalem and Judea. Then you go to the outskirts, the region that you're in, and then to the ends of the earth. There's a concentric circles of mission that Jesus uh, invites them to consider. And so I want to start of the first few uh, mini-series within a series, a room within a room, a doll within a doll, Russian, yes, and I want to start with go where you are. Now, most of us, most of us go to work. Most of us have a job. Uh, start where you are. We spend the majority of our day-to-day life in the workplace. Well, we all do different things. There are different kinds of workplaces. Uh, some are full-time parents. If anybody wants to argue that that's not a full-time job, I'm sure that parent would like to talk to you. Um, we've got some full-time teachers here, people that work in offices people that work on building sites. We have some students, and we've even got some retired people. That's work too. Ask my mum and dad. They retired a few years ago, and they work harder now than they used to, I think. But for most of us, working will mean full-time employment, which is great because this is also strategically where most of the unbelievers in the UK are found. Sneaky, eh? So we spend most of our time there with unbelievers. And in fact, Britain currently has a record high unemployment uh, employment rate. Did you know that? 75.6% of the British workforce are in work. And that's 32.39 million people. That's the latest statistics. All the unbelievers that we're trying to reach are at work with you every day. And we spend a lot of time in those places. Somebody's calculated, and this isn't meant to depress you. This is meant to inspire you. We spend 60 to 70% of our waking time at work with unbelievers. Isn't that great? Can I have some excitement? (laughs) And, And actually, we probably, and I'm not great at math, so Simon may have to correct me in a future week, but... We spend about 0.023% of our time in church-related activities. So why didn't you come to the prayer meeting last week? It's not a lot of time. Anyway, just pointing that out to you. 60 to 70% of our waking time is at work. A very small proportion of our time is actually in church-related activities. And for this reason, I think work is just far too significant a proportion of our lives to ignore. When it comes to our mission, we can't ignore it. It's most of our lives and in the workplace. We can't ignore it when it comes to our mission. Uh, This is an area you'll discover I'm very passionate about. My background is in the commercial world. I, I was 20 years in business before God very clearly called me out of my workplace. I was walking to work one day. I remember it so clearly. I remember exactly when it happened and where. I was walking down Ludgate Hill towards my office, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to come and work for me now. Now, you won't be aware of this, but that was a bit of a joke 
that wasn't uh, a theological statement. That was a bit of a joke, a bit of humor on his part, because he knew how I'd wrestled (laughs) with this concept for many years and had only just settled it in my mind. And I was actually really happy doing my job. I was around four years of old, four years of age when God first spoke to me about leading a church. Even from that age, I knew that I was called one day to be a pastor. I warned my wife uh, before we got married. I said, darling, you do know I'm not going to be a lawyer forever. God's going to call me out at some point. So I'd been preparing. I had that in my heart. But that wasn't how things had gone up until then. The way that the decisions were made, the way that things happened, those crucial moments, you know, you look back and say, I made that decision, and that's where it led to. Every one of those had led into training and working in the law. And and I wrestled with it because, to me, it seemed like a lesser calling. I'm just a lawyer. I just work in the workplace. And I struggled for so long over this concept of the secular and non-secular worlds feeling in my ignorance that secular was bad and non-secular, the church, was much higher. Uh, This is despite the fact, this is how perverse the deception was, that I saw some amazing miracles in my workplace. Over and over again, I I saw miracles of healing, uh, words of knowledge, prophetic words, Amazing things. Time after time in the workplace, I had the opportunity to share Jesus with people, even though I was often mocked and teased for my faith. And in in my first job, one of the partners took particular pleasure in trying to make my life a misery, trying to catch me out, because he just couldn't believe that a young man could be a Christian and that he really lived out what he believed. So he'd give me all kinds of opportunity to, to prove, prove me wrong. He tried to get me drunk. He arranged for somebody to spike my drinks. He tried to tempt me with women that he'd send to me and all different kinds of things like that. Um, all kinds of temptations you would not believe. And then on my last day in that firm, uh, as we were saying our goodbyes, he mocked me again one last time. And to my surprise, these words came out of my mouth. He says, Andrew, you are so resistant to God. I am sure that one day he's going to get you. And when that happens, would you please let me know? Thank you very much. <laughs> and it was actually about 10 years later I heard that Andrew had become a Christian. <laughs> and that he was part of one of the church, our churches in Exeter. And that he even ran one of their Alpha courses because he wanted to tell everybody about Jesus, because he'd had tragic circumstances in his life. And I don't know why. Maybe he remembered me. I like to think that he remembered my testament, but I don't know. But the long and short of it is he turned up at one of our churches, did an Alpha course, and gave his life to Jesus. Now, that's the kind of thing. Now, I've been in full-time church leadership for around 15 years, but I was called out with a promise from God that what I'd seen in my workplace, others I lead would also see in theirs too. How about that? (sighs) Do you know, I've got to tell you some more stories. I won't get on to the talk if I tell too many, but I want to inspire you with this. I really believe in this. One day I was in my office, my secretary came running into me. She said, Rob, Rob, my purse has been stolen. In the lunch hour, somebody got in and stole my purse. I said, that's okay, you can cancel your cards. 
She said, no, you don't understand. I've just taken a load of cash out because we're buying a car and I've just got a load of cash out and it was in my wallet and, and I can't afford to lose that money. I said, don't worry, I'm going to pray and God's going to return your purse and none of that money will have been taken. And then she said, oh, thank you so much. She went out, shut the door. I said, what did I just say? Lord, why did you make me say that? She's going to be really angry with me now. And I got down and I prayed. And as I prayed, instantly, I saw the purse. In my mind's eye, I saw exactly where it was. It was on the landing, outside my door. Nothing to do with me. (laughs) They did think it was later, but there you go. In the men's toilets, toilet cistern, high toilet cistern. I put my hand over the toilet cistern, put my hand right on the purse, just as I'd seen it in my vision, took it out and said, wow, and I got excited and I told everybody how God had shown me where this purse was. But as I said, the, the senior partner was suspicious and thought that maybe I had done this as a kind of a trick. And it was only those that lived and worked around me who said, that would never happen. Rob isn't like that. We believe him if he says that God showed him where that purse was. Nothing had been taken from that purse. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. I've got story after story of God breaking in to the workplace. Another story, a, a lady in, uh, who I was training uh, had an asthma attack at work and it was a serious asthma attack and normally she'd end up in hospital if she had a, an asthma attack. But I'd been on a trip with her that week and I spent the whole of the car journey uh, telling her stories about how Jesus healed people. I don't know why I, I did that. I, I, I guess I was trying to distract myself because she was a very attractive lady and I thought, what should I do? Tell her about Jesus. So I did. I told her about Jesus all the way down to this trip and all the way back on this trip. And she said, you told me Jesus healed people. I'm having an asthma attack. Pray for me. So I said, okay, sit on that chair over there. Holy Spirit, come. And I rebuke asthma in Jesus' name. Stop it. And that was all I prayed. And she said she felt like fire came all over her body and was vibrating all over her body when I prayed. And then suddenly she could breathe. And she didn't go into hospital. And actually, she didn't have an asthma attack for about a year after that. And I said to her, I said, you know, if you don't come to Jesus, I can't guarantee your asthma won't come back. Because I think there's a spiritual root in that illness for you. Are you up for that? Your main ministry place as a Christian is wherever you are. 60%, 70% of your time is in the workplace. And so what I want to try and do, because this is the battle that went on. If God is more about the church, if he likes church more than work, we're in trouble, aren't we? Because most of us aren't in the church. We're not working in the church. We've got a problem. So we need a good theology of work, which is what I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks. And ask this question, first of all, why work? Why do we work? Because work, is this is the first one, is built into the fabric of everything. The universe was started with work. Just think about it, the massive amount of work that it took to create everything. Now, I can't say that I actually know how it all actually came into being, but the Bible tells us that God made it happen. 
the creation of the universe was his initiative. It was his idea. And we can see the origins of work right there at the beginning, described in the book of Genesis, chapters 1 and 2. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't believe that it all just happened by accident. I believe that God designed it, God initiated it, God had a vision for everything that we now see. He had a vision for how it would look and how it would feel, how it would sound, how it would smell. Think about that. From the biggest of planets to the smallest of microbes, he was in it. And the first work of creation, Genesis 1 tells us, was light. This was the first work. Verse 3, God says, let there be light. Because there wasn't any light before God said that. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water, which God called the sky. And then in verse 9, God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, which God then called sea. And he worked on creation. He started with light and then he created these big expanses, the earth, the sky, the sea. And then he started to design all of the details of that and worked on that for six whole days. But it was all set in motion by acts of work, which means that work was his idea. Why work? Well, because that's the way he set it all up. And so it seems impossible not to. We live in a, in a universe where work is in its fabric. His, uh, it's, it's a crucial, in fact, it seems impossible not to work because it's crucial to everything that now exists. Everything requires work. And I think this says a lot about God and what he's like. I mean, theology, if you understand the word, means theology, means it reveals God and what he's like. Well, we can see it in his work. We can see it in his work. The Bible tells us that God is revealed to us through creation. The stars are the work of his handiwork. His fingerprints are all over everything that we see. So what is God like? We can see what he does, but we can see what he's like. Well, the second thing I want to tell you is that God is a worker. He is a worker. Jesus confirms this when he tells his fa- us that his father is always working. But we can also see the kind of worker that he is throughout the creation story. And we can see ourselves in him as we see that God is firstly innovative and imaginative. He starts work in Genesis 1 because he sees this need in verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Can you see that God's work, first of all, involved imaginative solutions? Does that excite anybody here? Anybody involved in imaginative solutions? He invents light and sunshine to counteract the dark and give life. He shapes and orders the earth, dividing the land from the sea, sky from the earth and the earth from the universe. He counteracts the emptiness of it all, filling the universe with stars and planets, the earth with plants and animals. He fills the earth with life and abundance, even in places that we will never see. Has anybody been seeing the latest series on the BBC about going into the deepest parts of the ocean? And the very deepest parts, we're never going to go there. And yet creation is even down there. 
surely we can recognize ourselves in this too. Think of some of the great inventors over the years who've had their own equivalent of imaginative problem solving. Their own let there be. Let there be. So we have Henry Ford who says, let every American, not just the rich, own a motor car. He went on to successfully make the first production motor car. The trouble was he forgot to equip the vehicle with a reverse gear, so it did cause a few problems and needed a bit more imaginative creation. Thomas Edison had his own version of Let There Be Light, and eventually there was in the form of a light bulb. And then the Wright brothers, amongst others, said, Let there be men who can fly like birds. And over time, trial, error, and some death... (laughs) They were the first men to fly in an aeroplane. Alexander Graham Bell had a dream to get the world talking to each other. He became the inventor of the first commercial telephone system. Clive Sinclair, one of, if not the originator, of the first generation of home microcomputers. Who had a ZX Spectrum? Yes. Amazing. What an amazing time that we've lived through. And so on. But, you know, God started it all. He was the originator of the imaginative and creative instinct, the ability to invent solutions which lead to work. And I want to encourage you that when you get stuck at work, you can tap into who he is and say, God, will you give me an imaginative solution? Do you know, time after time, I saw deals done because I simply prayed over files. And I felt like God just gave me such favor that things would happen because I was involved. I would pray over them. So I'd get given all the difficult cases, and then God would shift things for me on my behalf, time after time after time. Somebody need that today in your workplace? Just put your hand up if you just need that. I just need an anointing for creative solutions. All right, can we just pray for these guys? Have you seen them? I'm just going to pause for a minute. I just believe that there's a creative anointing for you that God just wants to give you. If you can touch somebody, that would be great. (laughs) Father, I just release anointing for creative imagination and problem solving. Father, I pray that something you've given me, you'd give to these guys, but even more so, would you grant them success in all that they do? In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just speak over you that things will start to shift in your workplace. Steve, I just feel really drawn to you at the moment, uh, that things are going to start to shift around your workplace because of the favor of God that is on you. Father, I pray that you'd give him creative solutions. It's not just creative solutions. It's actually inventions. God wants to give you inventions to problems that haven't even been thought of yet. God is going to take you into a new level of understanding and creativity. And you say to yourself, I'm not a very creative person. I'm an engineer. No, you're a creative person in how things work. And God is going to start to give you solutions. And I think the solutions are particularly going to be about um, efficiency. That God is going to give you uh, creative solutions for efficiency and, and, and making more money out of less. Uh, so, Father, I just pray you'd release that. There's just, uh, I feel like there's an angelic assignment to you for the workplace, Steve. And, and it's just like, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to remind you, don't try to do it on your own. When you get stuck, stop. And, and it's like an angel is just going to come and stand next to you and help you. 
I don't know if that's a bit random, but I just saw that happening in your workplace, that God is going to assign helpers to you when you need them to move things. So we just speak uh, change now, change now, change, change, shift it, Lord, shift it now in the name of Jesus, progress now, progress in Jesus' name. Lord, would you help him to navigate the politics of what he's involved in at the moment and give him change solutions in Jesus' name? Thank you, Father creative solutions when we are being creative when we are being innovative we're being like our father we're just being like our dad because that's what he's like so god is creative and imaginative but he's also got some really high standards he's well into quality and job satisfaction did you know that it wasn't just an invention of iso 9001 or whatever it is now first four god saw the light and, and it was good and so on. You look at it all the way through. Everything he makes, everything he creates, he analyzes it and tests it for quality. And so here we see at the highest, at each stage of work, it was evaluated and quality assured. God requires the highest standards of workmanship in all that he does. There's never any poor workmanship in what he created. He didn't slope off early on a Friday afternoon. He didn't put in a half-hearted effort or do the minimum he could get away with. His workmanship was excellent. And what he made worked perfectly and he took pride in it and pleasure from all that he did. In verse 31, it says that God saw all that he made and it was very good. Wouldn't that be amazing to get to the end of your working day and, and look back and say, look what all that I've done. It's very good. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Does somebody need to know that kind of job satisfaction right now? Come on, be honest with me. Do you want to put your hand up and I'll pray for you? I might even prophesy over you. All right, you just stand up for a minute because I think God wants to give us... If, yep, anybody who just that just resonates with, I need that job satisfaction. There you go. Would you stand up for me for a moment? And if you're near them, could you just put your hand on them to support them, show love to them? Father, I pray that you would unlock right now miraculously the sense of satisfaction and a job well done. I pray, Lord, that they would even hear those words this week from their bosses. I pray, Lord, those words, well done, will start to resonate in Jesus' name. And I just want to take off some of the responsibility, some of the heaviness that's come on you in your workplace. I'm sorry, I always forget names when I prophesy. So just open your eyes for me. Uh, hello, you, Jill. Um, yeah, I just speak to some of the heaviness and the responsibility that's come on you, that oversense of responsibility, and I release you from it now. In Jesus' name, you do a good job because of your Father, because he's with you and he's for you. And God's going to show you incredible favor in this next couple of months. I think there's some key decisions that you're going to have to make, but you're going to make the right decisions because he's going to show you what to do. So ask him to confirm your plans. Ask him to show you what's in your heart that he will confirm it, that he'll confirm it from various different places, Jill. I just believe that he wants to just carry you through the season. There's just a sense of weight coming off you right now, and his favor is on you and for you in Jesus' name. Does that make any sense, Jill? Okay, good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, just release job satisfaction. Peter, God wants, to, wants you to know that he has given in your job job satisfaction. There is job satisfaction for you. It's like 
you've had this kind of feel like I've just got to go to work and not had an expectation of job satisfaction. God says, I'm going to shift that for you because some of what he wants to do is show you what you're really uniquely gifted at. And because of that, you're going to know incredible job satisfaction. And it's good. It's good for you to get job satisfaction and go home at the end of the day with a sense of a job well done. Just favor for you in that, in Jesus' name. And I'm not prophesying over everybody, but if that resonates, either of those words resonate with you, the prophetic has this ability within to receive it for yourself anyway. So just say, yes, Lord, I'll take that. So just receive that from God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The lady at the back, I don't know you, I'm afraid, but hello, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I just feel like God wants to bless you in your work, and it's just that simple. Uh, It's like you've been overlooked and your talents haven't been recognized, but God has seen what you've done, and he's pleased with you, and he says you're a good worker. But I think recognition is also coming for you. Uh, So, Lord, I just pray that you'd make us stand out in an amazing way. Lord, make her really shiny in her workplaces, really shiny so that she stands out and she gets noticed for the job well done that she's done. I pray that she gets some encouragement this next couple of weeks in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that okay? Did that make sense? Yeah? So whenever I prophesy, if it doesn't make sense, please do come and tell me, or if you would like more of it or something or questions. We don't just prophesy without accountability. So it's good to always have a sense of uh, accountability in that. Okay, please do take your seats. We might do a bit more of that in a minute. Uh, His workmanship was excellent, and what he made worked perfectly, and he took pride in it all. And we all know that feeling of a job well done. It's a great feeling, isn't it? I often hear uh, people in the building industry speak of both the pride and pleasure of seeing a building that's been produced. Or I love seeing Darren's photos on Facebook. I did that. I put that door in, and I just think, oh, Darren, you're a god. I mean, I just don't know how he does it. He just constantly amazes me. I am not the most practical person. So anybody that can do that kind of stuff, I am slightly in awe of. So, Darren, you're amazing. Um, But I I did have the experience a few years ago because I was involved in the building industry. And uh, so what I did was uh, mixed-use development, residential development, that kind of thing. And I took my kids to see one of the big developments that I'd worked on. And it was just, I just felt so proud I did. I was part of that, kids. Look, kids, and they come, yeah, Dad, that's amazing. See that store there? We had an easement problem with that. I got it sorted. They got bored after a bit, but (laughs) you get the picture, a sense of a job well done. That's, That's being like our father. That's saying, I did that. I played a part in that. Amen? That's okay. That's what he wants for us. God puts this desire there. He was the originator of doing something well, producing something of high quality, involving sublime creativity. Do you like that? Sublime creativity. The universe is still good. After all these years, we don't know exactly how old it is. The earth might be creaking a bit with all the damage that's been done. But you know what he created was amazing. Get this. There's something about the work that we do that we should take pride in. I'm going to say that again because some of you said, oh, yeah, right. There's something about the work that you do that you are entitled to take pride in and to derive satisfaction from because that's how he made it. 
to be. That was his original design. Do you get that feeling from your job? (laughs) I happen to believe that that's how work as God intended. I'm going to talk a bit more about this next time, but I really do believe that God can either change our hearts so that we get satisfaction out of our jobs (laughs) or change your job. I remember sitting down with somebody a few years ago and I used this tool called Strength Finder that some of you know and uh, and I sat down and did a bit of coaching because they were really struggling at work. They kept losing their job, which is never a great idea. He was convinced that he was meant to be a salesman. And I thought, I don't think you're a salesman, but how can I prove that to you? You just don't come over like a salesman to me. So I did this personality profile thing. I said, do you know what? I'm not sure it's sales. I'm not sure it's sales, but why don't we just do a profile of your personality and see where you fit best. He says, it's not sales. I said, yeah, that's what I wondered. And actually, what he ended up doing was fundraiser. And he loved his job, fundraising. And he was so successful, but he wasn't good at sales. And God arranged this job for him. It fitted him to the T. And he got job satisfaction. So God can change your heart. Sometimes we just need to get over ourselves. Sometimes we stop being grumpy and just love people and stop being negative. Sometimes we just need a change of heart. Am I speaking to anybody? And sometimes we need a change of job. And that's okay. Ask God to change your job. Give you another job. Am I reaching anybody? So next thing we see in God's workmanship is that he's amazingly organized and structured. We can see this in several ways. He names what he makes, called the day, the light day, and the dark night. He called the expanse sky. He called the dry ground land. And he called the gathered waters sea. And we all do the same, don't we, with any new planet that scientists discover, any new plant or animal, even though God made them, we get to name them. And any new product that we see, they're all given names. Children, almost from the first morning. That's not a product, by the way. Well, possibly it is. But children, almost from the first moment that they talk, want to know the names of things, don't they? Uh, Followed by why and are we there yet? (laughs) Naming or branding of things uh, to us is the way that we make sense of the world around us. And it provides us with a sense of order. One of the most stressful things we can experience is when we don't know the the name of something that's happening to us. Anybody had a mysterious illness? I've all shared with you very vulnerably, and you all laughed at me when I thought I was having a heart attack and actually just bruised my ribs. (laughs) But for about three weeks, I was convinced I was dying. But I wouldn't go to the doctor because I'm a man, you know. And I was trying (laughs) to tough it out, tough out a heart attack. Um, seriously, I, I don't know. But, you know, if the whole time that you don't know what is wrong with you, you are fearful of the worst possible outcome. And then as soon as you know what's wrong with you and the doctor says, there's nothing wrong with you, you've just bruised your ribs, you say, oh, great, I'm not dying. And suddenly all the dying feelings go. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's the most stressful thing if we don't know the name of things. Now, organization and structure is part of what we were created for. Part of our work is to bring and make sense of the world around us. Uh, Now, there's a whole load of this for you organizational types. Is there anybody here? Just love organization. Oh, come on. Organization geeks, this is your moment. He created things in a particular and logical order. 
light so there could be day and night, sky, the sea, and the dry ground to define the world that we live in, vegetation to cover the dry ground, sun, moon, and stars to light and cover the sky, sea animals and birds to live in the sky and sea, animals and man to populate the earth. He created time and categorized time into different days, which he marked, you're getting excited, some of you, uh, which he marked by evenings and mornings. He created animals and divided them into species, male and female, and into male and female. He set domains for his creatures, the sky for the birds, the sea for the fish, and so on. Some of them he mixed up so that we get flying fish. Isn't that cool? Just in case you're thinking it's all out there, structured like that. And anybody will, who studies science will tell you that the universe is an incredible feat of organization. Do you know, if there was just one tilt out, it would set the whole universe into a total chaos. One tilt, one atmosphere, amazing. But we are also creatures of order, and our lives are governed completely by time and structure. God put this need in us. So you organization people, I want to just lift off from you any sense of that being wrong. Or I'm a control freak. Who's been told that? I just break that over you now. You don't have to put your hand up. I break that over you now in Jesus' name and set you free. Because you're not a control freak. You're very organized. When you become a control freak, it's because there's a wrong motive in what you do. If your motives are right, then you're not a control freak. If your motives are not right, we can have a talk about that. But God put that in us, and he delegated this responsibility to us when he commissioned us to go to work and bring order and structure to the world. Subdue it, he said, and make sense to it. Put things in their place. And so we have remarkably similar characteristics to God our Father as a worker. Can you see that? Is that a good theology? Um, why work? Because we're made in his image. We're like him. God intended that we would also be imaginative and creative, organized and structure, produce things of value that we can take pride in and derive satisfaction from. You're loving your work a bit more right now. Why work? Because this is how God set things up. He created everything, which is why he also created us to partner with him and work. So final point, God created us to work. How do we know that? I'll take you back to Genesis. At the end of chapter 1, it says that after six days, God had finished his work. Chapter 2 starts with, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Heaven and earth was finished. Nothing had been started. Read it yourself later. You see, everything goes on pause at this moment. There's this pregnant pause in creation where everything seems to stop. You get the impression from these phrases in Genesis 2, 5, no shrub had yet appeared. No plant had yet sprung up. This was a deliberate thing. Everything had stopped. Nothing was growing yet. This is a deliberate thing because in verse 5 it says, for God had sent no rain on the earth yet. It was on pause for a moment. Why? Why was everything on pause? Why? Because second part of 5, verse 5, because there was nobody to work on the ground yet. He hadn't created man yet. Everything was on pause because he hadn't created you and me yet. Everything was waiting for this. The whole universe, this great pulsating mass of, well, potential. It was just being held back 
by God because there was no man to work the ground. God was waiting for us to take up the job that he had imagined for us. Save for one thing. God had provided in verse 6 streams that came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. So everything had been held back, but at least the plants were being watered. Now I've got a question about that. Why was it that Almighty, all-knowing God, who has no limit to his understanding and who can create the world for nothing, just at the power of his word, and in particular a self-watering garden long before sprinklers were invented, why did he not think to make a self-maintaining garden? Just look at all the trouble he could have saved us from. (laughs) I mean, he could have, couldn't he? (laughs) I often think that when I read that passage. But it's because of this, God had always intended for us to work. So the next time you go out weeding, just think that and thank him for it. Thanks, Lord. (laughs) And actually, God, you just calm down. Um, (laughs) So God gives to Adam a specific job description in verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. You see, this is what I'm getting at. Contrary to what you might have thought up until now, work was not the devil's idea. Sometimes I think that in the garden, but there you go. But neither was it a result of the curse that we have to work. Some of you need to know that, that this is God's plan for your life, to work. Uh, It was his sovereign purpose that we should be like him and be workers. It was his invention. It wasn't man's or anybody else's for that matter. In fact, did you realize that God actually commanded us to work? Did you know that? It's in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall work. (laughs) Six days you shall work. Seventh day you can do no work. Six, but the command is six days you shall work. How many times have you heard emphasized the day of rest, but not the work, the six days of work? Just saying. Another thing, if work is so important to God, why did Jesus possibly waste probably in excess of his life, 20 years of his life on earth doing a secular building job? I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Okay, we're on this mission. This is, I'm just going to sum up now. We're on this mission to see God's kingdom come wherever we are and wherever we go. Go to work. (laughs) Go to work and see God's favor there. God has designed us to work. He's happy for you to work there. In your job. He's given you that job. Thank him for it. Why don't you just do that right now? Just say, Lord, thank you for my job. Ask him to just bless you in your workplace. He's got a strong work ethic, you know. God has a strong work ethic. It's how he started it off. It's how he created the universe. And he sees this as so important that when he created the earth, he deliberately made the earth in such a way that it could not be sustained without our involvement. Simon's going to talk a little bit about some of the problems that that's now causing in in probably a month or so's time to talk about some of the things we're hearing at the moment about the earth. The whole creation waited in suspense until that moment God gave Adam his job description. 
Work was God's idea. And yet so many of us struggle with work and find it incredibly unfulfilling and unrewarding. So why do we find it such a hard thing if this is what God has intended for us? Should work really be something that has to be endured in order to make a living? I'm going to look a bit more at that next time. In, in the meantime, I believe that just the knowledge of the truth of what we've been seeing today is going to bring some freedom to some people. But when you go to work on Monday, that you'll feel different about it because you think, okay, I'm doing like my father right now. Thank you, Lord. And as you discover that you're doing like your father, you discover his presence. I love that passage where Jacob said, God, you were here, and I didn't even know you were here. And I think the workplace is like that for many. So I'm just going to close now because we're slightly over time. Forgive me, but I prophesied and it took too long. Um, it would just be great to pray for some people. And in fact, let's pray for everybody, shall we? Just quickly, let's pray for everybody uh, for your workplace. If you want prayer for your workplace, stand up. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I just want you to imagine for a moment that your job is in your hands right now. Just put it in your hands, your work, whatever you do day to day. And the weight of it, the, the dislike of it, whatever it is, whatever, however you feel about your work right now, and I want, to give, I want you to just give it back to God. Say, Lord, here it is. Here's my job. I give it back to you. Okay, you done that? Right. Lord, I give it back to you. You just feel the weight of your job, the responsibility of it, the depression of it, the stress of it, all go from you right now. You just give it back to him. Thank you, Jesus, for my job. Just thank, just thank him. Thank him for the, the, the prosperity that you gain from that job. Thank you for the people that I meet in that workplace. Thank you for the mission that I'm on. Okay, give that all to him now. You done that? Is, it, is your hands empty? Just feeling, yeah, now ask him to give it back to you. Say, Lord, will you give me back my job with your presence? Lord, will you give me back your job, my job, with your anointing? Lord, will you give me back my job with your provision? Will you give me back my job with your creativity, with your wisdom in Jesus' name? And Father, from this moment on, are you keeping up with me? (laughs) From this moment on, Lord, I choose to partner with you in my job. So Holy Spirit, will you come and fill everyone right now? And I release a fresh anointing for the workplace. Go to work and enjoy your work. Go, get satisfaction from it. Go and tell people about Jesus in that place as he gives you the opportunity. Often it's just being light. Often it's just being consistent. Often it's being a friend and nothing more. Lord Jesus, we want to give ourselves to you again. We offer ourselves to you again for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.